Good morning. It is uh, wonderful to be here. I got a question for you, though. Are you ready? You guys need to wake up now. Have you ever been to um, a state fair? Have you ever been to the like the Sacramento State Fair on a really, really hot day, Sacramento State Fair. That sounds like a college thing. Have you ever been to the State Fair here in Sacramento on a super hot day? Anybody? Or, or maybe you can picture some of you from the Midwest or somewhere uh, where the humidity is really, really hot, and it's the middle of summer, and you're at a flea market, an outdoor flea market, and it is just bacon hot, like Africa hot. Like this is just crazy kind of hot. And then uh, there's all these hot, sweaty bodies and they're all hungry, and they're all thirsty, and then you find that oasis, that, that tent, the food court, because it's outdoors, right? So there's this big, giant, anybody with me? And you go, I, I want to go there. That's where I want to be. And uh, inside there, it's shaded, and there's picnic tables, and so, so it's, a, it's a virtual oasis in the middle of this desert of hot, sweaty, hungry, thirsty people. And there you see a gal, just picture this with me, there you see a gal in the shade, and she's handing out from a local chicken restaurant, she's handing out samples of chicken to people that are already fed, that are already eating, and many of them are already full, and she keeps handing out chicken to the already full. When if she would just step 10 to 20 feet out into the heat, where all these hot, hungry, thirsty people are walking by, she could sample them and get them into the tent, into her restaurant, to eat her chicken at her table. It doesn't make any sense to feed the already already full. That's the dilemma of the church today. There are so many churches that are out there already feeding the full. They're, all, they're already fed. And, and all they'd have to do is walk a little bit out into the heat out from the shade of their various locations and sample people who are hungry at the table and they would eat. Then they would find a seat at the table, they would dine at the table, and they would eat the bread of life. Because, and this is your message in a tweet, this is your sermon in a sentence right here, it's up on the screen, the church is a table where people come to be fed. That's why we have the illustration here. The church picture. It's a beautiful visual. The church is a table where people come to dine and to be fed. John 6, 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I am the ultimate food that you could eat. And that food is to be presented, and it is presented every Sunday here. It's the Word of God, where we build believers up and we serve seekers, people who haven't crossed the line of faith yet. They still need Jesus. You've heard it before, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. That's the imperative here. Make disciples of all nations. How? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's Jesus' last instructions for us to make disciples. How do you do it? You baptize them and teach them. Discipleship starts with evangelism. Discipleship, we always think that's just sitting down at a table and reading the Word of God and studying it and memorizing it and all that. Discipleship starts with evangelism. It starts with baptism. 
And if we're to have a healthy church, a well-balanced church, then what we will find is three chairs. And one chair is, is the mature. This is the person who is serving. This is the person who is giving. This is the person who's in a small group. This is the person who is, is growing in their faith. And then there's a new Christian. Maybe, maybe a, a month or two, maybe a year or two, but they're, they're fresh in their faith. They're excited about God. And then there's the, the chair that's the, the person who hasn't made a decision yet. They're still on the fence about whether to choose Jesus or not. A healthy church, there's three chairs where people will come to sit and to dine. And if the mature believer is really living out the Great Commission to make disciples, then he will be or she will be consistently reaching out to new people that don't know Jesus. And those people will meet Jesus and get excited about him and have a fresh faith. And then they will grow and mature and develop into the mature chair where they're solid and they're committed to Jesus Christ, a fully devoted follower. Now, switching gears a little bit. How, silly question, a little bit rhetorical, but how many of you have entertained people at your home before? You had guests come over. Oh, I was going to say, this is the most mean church ever that nobody would ever entertain anybody and have guests over. You're all a bunch of hermits. So when you do that, it, it takes a lot of work to entertain, really truly entertain someone. And it, and it starts with an invitation. It starts with uh, picking a date, picking a time, and then we begin to prepare depending on how big of entertainment this is. And, and we clean up the house, and we're probably not going to use paper plates and styrofoam cups and a, uh, for a weenie roast, unless that happens to be the invitation. But let's just say we're, we're really entertaining people. And, and, and when they get to the front door, we don't typically answer the door in our underwear. And, and we typically have some manners, and there's no burping or other gases coming out of our different orifices. And, and we think about our guests, of who's coming over, and, and maybe we light some candles, and maybe we have some soft music playing in the background, or, or and we make sure the temperature is good in the house and that everybody is comfortable. And the place smells look good, and it looks good, and, and we probably, maybe, depending, have matching glasses and matching plates, d- depending on on where we come from and what we have, we, we do the best we can. But when it's just our family, just our immediate family of people that live in the home, that's not as big a deal. We seldom do all of that work. We eat on napkins. We eat on paper plates. It's no big deal. Seldom do our glasses ever match when we sit down to a dinner. Everybody just grabs their glass they had earlier or something else. And, and there are often burps. I don't know about your house. I'm, I'm not going to talk about my house, but uh, or other other anyway. And and occasionally food might even be thrown, but not with our guests. Not when we're entertaining. Why? Because the experience is about them, and we want them to be comfortable. It's not about us. And that doesn't mean we're being hypocritical and and that we we're we're being phony because we we put our best foot forward per se when people come over and we entertain. And it doesn't mean that we're eating different food or anything. It's just that we're being strategic and we're being intentional and we're being smart as good hosts for our guests that we're entertaining, that we're having over for dinner and this whatever kind of event. And the same thing happens in churches across the country. Each week, we have the opportunity to serve up the bread of life to a hungry world that's been filing by in the hot sun all week. They're out there and they need nourishment. And we have that. We've got the bread of life. 
And they'll never know about the nourishment that we have unless we are out there getting out of the shade and comfort of this building into the hot sun and the difficult world that's out there where it is sweaty and it is a mess and people are hungry and people are running around and they're bumping into each other and they're rude. We could take the flea market or the state fair sort of a thing and apply it to the church. But it's more comfortable to sit in the shade and serve samples to each other when the people that really need our samples are outside the walls of this church, in the heat, in the elements. The church is a table where people come to be fed. And we should be putting our best foot forward, really caring for those who don't know Christ yet because our guests matter. There's a seat for them at the table. At a healthy church, there is a seat here. Guests belong at the table. They belong. Now, the first characteristic, I've got about five of them, of the table, of the, of the church, is that, number one, the chief communicator is the chef. And I've got this phenomenal visual for you. Pictures out and take that. The chef is the, the dude with the food, the guy or the gal who is serving up the Bible, who's presenting the Word of God. On Sundays here, that is typically Scott. And, and, and we serve the most important meal of the week where we dine on the food of Jesus Christ. But we all have an opportunity to get fed, and we all have an opportunity to serve seekers. We serve children. And by the way, if you're a parent in here and your children are in children's ministry, you're being served, by the way, just so you know. We're serving one another here and the hospitality and the worship, not only here in the front where you see, which is just incredible people, but also in the back where they make it all work, where they make it sound good. Because if they're no good, it doesn't matter how good these people are. We serve the greeters, so many different people. It takes a lot of folks to host well. But there's also during the week. Every one of you have food to serve. Every one of us have the Bible. Every one of you can serve up that Bible to whomever you like, especially at work, especially at school. You have an opportunity in your neighborhood, with your neighbors. You have an opportunity to serve up the Word of God because that's your mission field, your sphere of influence. And the samples of that food are actually our attitude, our lifestyle, the the words we choose to use. It's the places that we go, the language we use. It's the business practices that we engage with. It's our attitudes, our actions. You should all have a chef's hat at home and be ready to serve up the Word of God. You should have a chef's hat at work. Everywhere you go, you've got that chef's hat, and you're serving up samples everywhere you go by who you are, what you do, and your own attitudes. Because the second characteristic here, the ultimate meal deserves the ultimate presentation. How we present the food, the Bible, the atmosphere that is here is hugely important. Whether it's at home with candles and soft music and matching plates, or whether it's all the stuff to put on a weekend service here at Adventure, it's all important, but it's not just for the family. It's for the guests as well. I know at our home, I mean, we do, but we don't often get to the dining room table, let alone have matching glasses and and plates. Because it's not about us. It's about our guests when we entertain. It's good hosts. We want to serve our guests. We want to think about their needs and their desires. And that takes work. 
and an adventure here. There's lights and there's videos and the music and fresh coffee or tea or whatever you like because it's about the guests and about serving them and giving them a comfortable atmosphere, not just the family. John 21 verse 15 says this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, which is Peter, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Take care of the lambs. Take care of the body. That gives us the third characteristic of the table. The people should be well-fed. People should be well-fed, and that happens by serving up a well-balanced meal. Now, sometimes you have to eat the, the stuff that you don't like. And sometimes you're served up a meal that's just right, and you love it, and it goes down smooth. And other times you wonder maybe why you keep eating here at church the same meal, or it seems like it's the same meal repeatedly, or it's scattered throughout. But here you've heard messages on culture. You've heard messages on emotion. You've heard messages on the family, on stewardship, on beliefs, on doctrines, on leadership. And, and when we apply that to the table, it, it's okay that sometimes we need some ice cream, as long as that's balanced with some, some meat and, and vegetables. And there's nothing wrong with lima beans. Actually, yes, there is. Lima beans are useless. They're terrible and I don't like them. But, but, but eat your lima beans as long as there's some steak and maybe, maybe some fruit and some dessert. A well-balanced diet is important. And it gives us the fourth characteristic of the table, and that's that nourishment from the food, this is important, nourishment from the food provides the fuel to serve others. The nourishment we get from the food provides the fuel to serve others. Because it's not just about us. The health and diet craze are as prevalent as ever. I'm not even going to ask how many of you are dieting, but you've probably heard of these. The Atkins diet, South Beach diet, Slim Fast, Zone diet, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, Body for Life. Has anybody ever heard of the baby food diet? Oh, I haven't tried that one. Low-carb diets, high-carb diets. How about cabbage soup diet? Has anybody tried that? That was a long time ago. I, just me. One over there. Horrible. Didn't work. Never do it again. Whole house smelled. It was, don't even waste your time. It, it, it is awful. Um, the only diet that I've been able to stay on, and I, I, even on vacation, we, we had a, a two-week cross-the-country vacation with our kids and seeing a bunch of parks and things that we'd never seen before, and, and it's called the add-on diet. And it's a high-carb, high-fat, low-vegetable diet, and I'm sticking with it. I've been on it. It's, uh, it's rock solid. It's, and, it, and it's pretty easy to stick with. Here's the deal. Fashion models are thinner than probably 98% of American women, and and the same would go with men and what they're trying to do. So as Americans, we diet. CNN reported that kids as young as five years old were concerned about their body image. Five years old. Approximately 91% of women are unhappy with their bodies and resort to dieting. Almost half of American kids between first and third grades want to be thinner. Half of 9- to 10-year-old girls say being on a diet makes them feel better about themselves. It's a $60 billion a year industry. But any doctor 
any nutritionist, any trainer, any, any medical community will tell you that a healthy body is not just about diet. It's about diet and exercise, the E word. You got to have the two if you really want to be healthy. It's just the way it is. Most churches in America concentrate on diet only. They concentrate on the Word of God, on studying the Word of God, on feeding on the Word of God. And we have to do that. Yes, that is so important. But to be healthy, we can't just diet. We can't just feed because then we get obese. We have to exercise. We take the nourishment that we get, especially when we move around the table, right? We, we, we don't know Jesus, and then we meet Jesus, and we get excited, and we get some meat and potatoes, and then we begin to grow. And when we grow and we mature, listen, when we grow and we think we're mature, we eat whatever is put in front of us, we get the nourishment from the table, and then we push away from the table, and we serve seekers. We serve other people. That's healthy. It's not just about diet. With all the churches that are around here, probably 90% still of our community here in, in uh, the Sacramento regional area are unchurched. They're hungry. And that tells me that we're probably, as a, as a, as a community, uh, not picking on this church. I'm just talking completely uh, uh, north and south and, and across America. We're not effectively serving up the samples and being healthy as a church, as Christians. And that primarily is because we're not exercising, spiritually speaking. The church is a table. There's the mature, where we're eating our lima beans and whatever's put in front of us. There's the, the newly new Christian in the last couple years, maybe. You're, you're fired up, you're getting the meat and potatoes. And, and then there's the person who hasn't cr- crossed the line of faith yet. And, and maybe they need a nice appetizer or some ice cream and going, this is pretty good. And, and we inject, because the bread of life is all of that. Jesus is all, he's ice cream and he's lima beans. Oh, I'd hate to, that's kind of sacrilegious to call Jesus lima beans. But it's true. Everybody needs to be fed. The church is a table, three seats. Everybody's hungry. Everybody needs to be fed. But we don't always eat the same thing. We need a well-balanced meal, a well-balanced meal. And yet in America today, there's about 70% of Americans that are overweight. 40% are considered obese. Same with the church. This isn't about us and physical. This is about the church and spiritual. There are more spiritually obese Christians than ever before. And they get fed, and they want to be served, and they want their favorite meal their most favorite meal, and they want to have it all the time, and they think that everybody else should have that same meal every single week. But the key to health in a church is watching your diet and exercising. The Bible says the same thing in John 4, 34. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. My food, Jesus said, is to do what I'm supposed to do, to do what God wants me to do. James 1.22, probably the most important verse in all the Bible. Don't do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Don't just hear it. Don't just feed on it. Don't just study it. Don't just memorize it. It says. But we have a lot of spiritually overweight believers, spiritually overweight believers who just feed on God's word and they don't exercise. So what chair do they sit in here? 
What, what chair do they sit in? Because it doesn't fit. It's not the mature chair, because if it was the mature chair, they would be feeding and exercising. And when you're exercising and feeding well, you're not, you're not going to be overweight, spiritually speaking. You're going to be pushing away from the table and doing it. These overweight believers sit in a very special chair. These diet-driven, pot-bellied, obese, spiritually obese Christians need a very special chair because they're on their last, their Bible belt is on the last loop, and they've got the Dunlap disease where the belly, spiritually speaking, has over Dunlap the belt, and they need a very special chair, and that chair is not the high chair, it's the eye chair. They sit in a very special seat called the eye chair. And they sit in it, and they whine, and they go, I want more worship. I want more Bible study. I want, I want more. I just want more. I just want to go deeper. And they whine, and they whine, and they whine. What, what are we supposed to do with them? They cry. Feed me, Mommy. Feed me, Daddy. I, just, I want more. I want, I want, I want. And what do we do with these whiners? They're, they're spiritually self-absorbed people. Most pastors in growing churches are wrestling with how to handle that. The, the, the people who don't want to exercise. It's a huge leadership principle. Pastors, the, the chefs who's serving the, the food, they're, they're trying to figure out what to do, and they're tempted. They're tempted to turn their back on the masses the people at the table, the three chairs who need the food and who they've been called to serve, and they're tempted to turn around and go, well, I'll give you more worship, little baby, and I'll give you more Bible study, and I'll give you more of whatever you, I'll go deeper with you. And when that, when that pastor, when that chef does that, what does he do to everybody else at the table? Turns his back or, or other things. And, and this is who he's called to feed. This, these are the people at the table. That are sitting here ready to eat and serve up what serve up for, for everyone to eat. And what's so funny is this meistic mentality about me, and I want to be fed, and I want more worship, and I want more Bible study, and I, I, I. It's the antithesis of the mature chair. Because the mature chair here on a weekend will sit down and eat whatever's put before them and push away from the table and go serve the, the other people. Now, I don't expect to be very popular today, but it's a great visual. And what we want to do is not sit in this chair and not think that somehow we're mature by saying we want to go deeper, we want more Bible study, we want more worship, or whatever it is. Because that's not, that's about you. That's all about you. So what do we say to people in the high chair, the eye chair? We say, we love you, and you can hang out here, but we don't, we don't have a chair for you. This is our table. Not that you're not important. You just got to understand that this is the table, and these are the people we're serving, and we want you to sit at the table. I'm speaking for me now and not this church, so, so don't, don't get too mad if you're new here and... Uh, this is, this is my, my presentation, although I did get it cleared by Scott, so you can yell at him about it as well. We don't want to turn our backs and focus on just 
people that are whining about maturity. We all, we're all in the, in the chairs. So We've got to feed all the chairs that are here. And listen, let me, let me just give a little side note here. Discipleship is your responsibility as a believer. It's not this church's responsibility. Do you know what the, this church is for? The pastors here are here to equip you to do the work of the ministry to help you, to give you tools and resources, encouragement, instruction, so that you will be disciples who make disciples. If you're not growing and you're not maturing and you're not getting fed, let me just share with you, that's on you. That is not on the church. I understand you, you want to have worship that you like. I understand that you want to have a message that you like. But based on the Word of God, see, that's a, that's a, that's kind of, that's kind of, now, if you're church shopping and hopping and looking for a place to plug in, I get it. You want to have a place that you want to have a place that you're proud of that you would invite your friends to. That's important. Once you get that, then get out of get out of that chair and and come sit at one of the three chairs. And more than likely, if you're church shopping and hopping, you're in one of these two. Now, there's a fifth chair where we don't have time to talk about, and that's the timeout chair. I didn't bring that. That's over in the corner. A timeout chair is for people who are lukewarm. Now, wait, wait, let's just pause. Let's just pause because some of you I can feel it. This is for a healthy church. For a healthy church, there's three seats. For a healthy church, there's three sets of people in the body. And probably if it's super healthy, there's a third in each chair. Because if this person in the mature chair is truly out handing out samples outside of the walls of this church, there's going to be more and more people sitting in this chair. And the more and more people here who haven't made a decision yet to accept Christ, they're on the fence. They're getting ice cream. They're getting meat and potatoes. They're getting it all. But they're getting, they're getting a sampling of everything, and they'll move to here. And when they move to here, they get fired up. They get excited. And then they begin to understand what maturity really means, which is serving and giving, tithing. It's being in a small group and community. It's giving back. It's handing out samples outside of that. And then you eat whatever is put in front of you, whether you like it or not, on a weekend. And then you push away from the table and you serve. You exercise. You get out and serve your community. That's a healthy church. That's a very healthy church. Don't just hear, do. The greeters, the coffee and tea as you walk in, the children's ministry, the youth ministry, the ushers, the techs, everything else. So many people have pushed away from the table and begun, begun to serve. They've they begun to exercise and pushing away from the table and serving your family and friends who don't know Christ is so important because, listen, many of them are just one meal away from an eternity with Jesus Christ. Just one meal away. That's why the table is so important for our guests to get them to move to this chair and to meet Jesus and understand how exciting and amazing that is. And these people who are fired up to coach them and guide them and train them on what it really means to be a disciple who makes disciples and that can really grow and sit in a mature chair and really be a fully devoted follower of Christ who understands it's not just about us. It's not just about the family. It's about serving others and getting more people to sit in that chair and just go right on through the system. That's healthy. That's a healthy church. One meal away from eternity with Christ. One more characteristic about the table. The table slash church, I hope that you've put those two together now. The table slash church should be in a constant state of expansion. If we're made up of thirds and the mature believer is handing out samples, then just like I said, and and by the way, we put the eye chair away. 
They're welcome here, but they've got to figure out where they fit, and they might not like it because there's nobody just attending to all of their needs. You know what that's like when you've entertained and if you have a baby. How many of you have done that? Your baby starts crying or getting fussy or whatever it is, and you've got to take care of them. And what happens with your guests? It's frustrating because you're there and you've got them over and you're entertaining guests. It's not the, the baby's just a baby. And they're, they're doing whatever they want and their needs. It's about them. Am I right? Yes or yes? Yes. And so you, as a parent, are coming over and you're spoon-feeding them and doing all that. The, the thing is, it's not that people that need things is not important. I just want to make sure to get this straight. It's that these people think they're spiritually mature. They don't think they're babies. They think that wanting more Bible, more worship, more whatever, I want to go deeper. I'm, then go deeper. Get your butt out of the high chair and sit here and start taking responsibility for your own discipleship. The church started in just homes, and it was fine, and it was good, and it grew, and they added to their number daily those who were being saved and moving from one chair to another. Church is awesome. The church is you. The church isn't this building, and if you don't like this church, you move on to the next one, and it's not that building. And it's not those set of people. We are, if we are believers in Christ, we are the church. And we are here to live out the Great Commission. And that is to not be disciples, but to make disciples. Oh, whoa. It's not to be disciples. It's to make disciples. Jesus never called us to be disciples. I'm dying on a cross so that you can be a disciple. I'm dying on a cross. I'm forgiving your sins so that you can make disciples. Evangelize them and teach them. Baptize them and teach them. Bring them in, hand out the samples, and grow them up in their faith to be mature, to serve. Table should be in constant expansion. All of that's possible when we diet and exercise. And when we're healthy, we continually expand. Too many people just come and eat and eat and enjoy, and they put their kids in the ministries, they drink the coffee, and they enjoy the worship, and, and, but there's no exercise. They're not pushing away from the table. So then other people have to double-time the exercise, and that squelches growth. That squelches the church from being healthy because others are working twice as hard. Some of you in this room, you know what I'm talking about because you're exercising for three, and you're facing burnout, and that's not cool. Too many whiners crying out there, feed me, feed me, feed me. Squelches the momentum and carrying out the Great Commission. Stay out of the eye chair. John, 18, John 21 verse 18 says this. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Jesus is talking to Peter. And when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, that is John, was following them. This is the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, when Peter saw John, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You just must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die, John. But Jesus did not say that he would not die, only if I wanted to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So Peter's been whining, and Jesus called him out, and he asked him three different times, do you love me? And embarrassed and belittled and a little hurt, Peter says, Jesus, you know all things. You know that I love you. He says, then do. Feed. Do something about it. Take care of my people. And Jesus then tells Peter how he's going to die. And Peter doesn't like that. 
And so Peter looks around and goes, what about your little favorite Johnny? Little John boy. What about him? And Peter does what many of us do, and he thinks it's about us. Well, wait a second, I'm going to die and do all that stuff, and I'm going to die this. This is not cool. What about him? He's your favorite. We focus on our needs, our desires, our wants, our plans, our wishes, or so it's just not fair to us. And Jesus says to him, if I want John to stay alive until I return, what's that to you? It doesn't matter. And if you're supposed to die a horrible, painful, wicked, miserable death, what's that to you? You just got to follow me. Because it's not about you, Pete. And it's not about Johnny. It's about me, Jesus says, and it's about others. Listen, Sundays are, are the time that most people choose to eat or to sample the food at a, at a local congregation. And we provide the ultimate presentation for the ultimate food. You're part of that consistently on a week a weekday basis. Church is really lived out Monday through Saturday. When you're out in the heat, when you're out from the shade and the comfort of this room, and you're out in your sphere of influence, and you're handing out samples by your lifestyle, by your attitude, by your actions. That's where, the, that's where church is really done. And then what we hope is that as you hand out those samples, the hungry will taste that and be intrigued, and they'll come and eat at the table. The bread of life, Jesus Christ, who can save us from our sins and give us eternal life. That's a phenomenal thing. And it all starts with not adventure of Natomas. It starts with the adventures, which is you as believers in Christ. But if you're sitting in this seat and you're wondering and wavering back and forth, whether you should be a Christian or not, you've been thinking about it, let me tell you, it's the best decision you could ever make. Because when you meet Jesus, you get fired up and excited, and it's awesome, and you're growing, and you're inviting people, and you're telling your friends what happened because you've got this unbelievable sense of freedom and peace in your life. To be forgiven of your sin is the most amazing experience that anybody could ever have. You've got to acknowledge your sin first. But then to be forgiven of that, wiped clean, dude, that's awesome. And then to sit in this chair and get fired up, and then you become a spiritual teenager, and you'll, you'll wander over there a little bit, and you'll think that you know everything and the pastors don't know anything, and that's part of being a, growing into a mature believer. It just is. I'm, I'm thinking about writing a book called Spiritual Teenagers. They just get to the point where they're invincible, and nobody knows anything, and you can't be taught anything, and that's part of it. You'll get, you'll get through that, and then you'll really begin to grow and realize it's not about you. It's about Jesus. It's about serving him. And that's not, it can be difficult, but it's not a chore. It's not work. Because when you're that deeply in love with a man who has forgiven your sins and given you eternal life and takes care of your, your every need, not want, but every need, it's a joy to do that. And then you begin to learn about your gifts. And then when you serve in your gifts, it's not work at all. It's amazing. But then you realize it's not just about diet. It's also about exercise, and you begin to serve everyone else. If you've never given your life to Christ, man, today is a great day to do that. Today's a great day to just make that decision. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the Scripture. Thank you that, that, um, that you loved us enough to send your son and just once and for all take care of our sin. Once and for all provide an ironclad way to not only heaven and eternal life with you, 
and not only avoiding hell and the damnation that goes there, but to also have an abundant, joyful life here. Not perfect and not rich and everything going perfect for us, but a joyful life and a life of peace here on this earth. If there's someone here that has not given their life to you, I pray today they would do that, and they wouldn't leave this building until they've talked to a pastor or someone in the prayer room after the service about that decision. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.